Amen. Thank you, ladies. Beautiful song. Appreciate it so very much. And uh, a favorite of many of us. Amen. That song has been one that has encouraged my heart and uh, has ministered to me on many a dark day and, uh, in life and things. I love that statement. Boy, when we are faltering, we still find him there. When we fail and we have issues or problems, we're struggling, boy, it's good to know that the Lord is faithful, amen? And it's a great reminder, I'm thankful for that and a great truth. I leaned on this, uh, the truth found in that uh, song many a day and the reality that the, God's will cannot lead us where his grace will not keep us. Great truth, and I hope you lean on that and take that to heart. Proverbs, we'll look in Proverbs chapter 18, actually, to begin with. Proverbs chapter number 18, and, and uh, a message we are gearing towards uh, all ages for sure, and I want to say that at the beginning, but children, I would especially, uh, especially uh, encourage you, teenagers alike, to, to listen up. We're going to talk tonight about finding and fostering friendship, and the idea of fostering, building it, nourishing it, making sure it's the right kind, and so forth, and so finding and fostering friendship. And I think it's safe to say, as we find Proverbs chapter 18, we'll be all over Proverbs tonight, but we'll start there. I think it's safe to say that one of the most important aspects of growing older is having discernment and wisdom when it comes to establishing the right kind of friendships. Ensuring that not only at a young age, but at any age as we grow into adulthood, we have the right kind of friendships. You see, whether in junior high, high school, whether in the youth group, at college, uh, young adult, or even as an older adult, our friendships are hugely important. Now, when it comes to friendships, now, young people, listen to this. When it comes to friendship, we might think that uh, the greatest problem one might ever face uh, is not being able to find a friend. Not having any close friends, maybe our age or whatever you want to how to ever describe it. Okay, can I tell you that since the moment I became cognizant and uh, understanding of friendships, how people viewed them, even as a young boy, I've heard one person or another complain about not having friends in one situation or a place or another, and it really knows no age bounds. In other words, I mean, I've heard it from children. I've heard it from teenagers, I've heard it from young adults, I've heard it from middle-aged adults, I've heard it from even older adults that have confided in me their frustration, their discouragement over not having friends or a lack thereof or even a close friend, okay? And many of you say, that's, that's the worst thing ever when it comes to friendships. Well, would you listen carefully tonight? I want you to get this. The worst thing that you can experience is not the lack of having a friend or friends, it is having the wrong kind of friends. Okay, so let's get this in our head because sometimes then we, we get in this lonely, and I get it, it's good to have friends, God wants us to have friends, yes, that's true, but more importantly than not having friends is having the wrong kind of friends. The worst thing that can happen to any of us at any age, uh, boy, they're influential, they're impactful as we'll talk about tonight, that's really the worst, uh, the worst thing. You say, what are the wrong kind of friends? To put it succinctly, we'll talk more about it tonight, but to put it succinctly, uh, the wrong kind of friends do not influence you to do right. They don't encourage godliness in you, pursuing that. They don't encourage you to pursue God. They care little for spiritual things. They would rather enjoy the pleasures of this world for a season uh, than live for the eternal riches of heaven. That's the wrong kind of friends. Those who do not encourage us in our pursuit and our relationship with God. You see, uh, to use a biblical example, 
Man, you think about these two guys and their lives and so forth. Can I just put it this way, young people? Uh, It is better to be a God-following Abraham with seemingly few friends or no friends than a spiritually weak lot with a lot of the wrong kind of friends. When you think about the life of Lot, boy, he wanted friends. So he went into Sodom and Gomorrah. He went to other cities of the plains. And he just, he seemed to pursue, I just, I got to be with people. I got to be around people. I got to be a people person. And Abraham said, no, I'm going to follow after God. And seemingly, it seems like at times, Abraham was alone. But you know what's great about Abraham? He walked by faith. He walked by faith. He followed God. So sometimes, and a lot of times, all the time, I think it'd be much better to be a God-following Abraham with few or no friends than a spiritually weak lot with a bunch of the wrong kind of friends. Young people, if you can get a hold on that and let that guide and direct you throughout your life, it will help you, and honestly, it will protect you from a lot of damage and harm and hurt. You know what Lot's life is full of? Pain. Lot's life is full of pain, and it started with, we would say, certainly the wrong influences, the wrong impact, the wrong friendships, and so is. You know what goes hand in hand, and I think this is so crucial, young people don't miss this, what goes hand in hand uh, with this importance of having the right kind of friendships, and you've probably heard it before, let me expound upon it biblically tonight, is not just finding the right kind of friends, but you being the right kind of friend. So crucial, so important to have in finding and fostering friendships is that you are the right kind of friend. Look at, if you will with me, Proverbs chapter 18. Look at verse 24. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 24. It says this, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I will just share with you three things tonight, three points that I think are crucial. Number one is this, real friendship necessitates a two-fold focus. We could say a two-directional focus. Uh, a real friendship necessitates a two-fold focus, two-directional focus. You understand what this verse is teaching, especially in the first part, when it says here, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And I I would draw your attention to those those words, that hath, are in italics. They were added for clarification. And so we can understand, if you want to find friends and you want to keep friends, you've got to show yourself friendly. We would put it this way. Friendship is mutual and it's reciprocal. There's got to be a giving, a a taking in it. There's got to be, as we described here, it takes two people not focused on themselves, not getting something out of that relationship or using it to get something, but with a heart to meet the needs of others. I find it humorous. I've known some guys uh, who have started a friendship with another young man so they, they could get closer to that young man's sister. Some of you probably know some guys like that. Yeah, it's a friendship started to get something out of it. Hey, oh man, you're, oh, you're, her, you're her brother? Hey, let's be friends. <laughs> it's that kind of idea, to get something out of it. Now, that's not true friendship. That's not real friendship. Real friendship says, no, 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 I have a heart to meet the needs of others. Simply put, when I enter into a friendship with anyone, I'm not only focused on my interests, but I'm focused on the other person's interests. That twofold focused. You know, I've met too many people who did not have many friends, did not have even some close friends, because they never understood this concept that in order for a friendship to succeed, it necessitates a twofold focus. 
It isn't just what I get out of it. It isn't just the idea of having somebody to do something with. No, there are needs that need to be met within that friendship. Let me give you an illustration. Sometime in the past, I had a, a mother of a teenage daughter comment to me, r- really express concern and, and uh, uh, some uh, discouragement over the fact that her daughter didn't have any friends or many friends. So she came to me and said, I just don't understand. I, need, I want this fixed. How can I help it? What can I do? How do we fix this situation? And, and uh, well, I, I went about, first thing I did was I, I tried to study that girl a little bit. I started, tried to watch her, see her interactions with her peers. Uh, what, what was her conversations like? What, how, does she, how does she respond socially and in those contexts? And I even watched it among adults. I talked with the girl myself. And, and uh, it became abundantly clear very quickly I, I, I was able to discover the problem you say what was the problem well when she was engaged in conversation with others the young girl would incessantly talk only about herself what she liked what she wanted what 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 she was going to do what what her plans and her dreams were and again not a bad thing but when it's all about you we've got problems now there is reality that probably some of you and I have met people like that. And the reality is, man, any type of friendship, they want it to be all about them. They want their needs met. In fact, uh, there's a great terminology for it. <laughs> they're, they're energy drainers. <laughs> they drain energy. They don't give it. They, don't, more, they just take it in. They just take it in. And, and it was always a one-sided focus. Her conversations hardly lasted long, and certainly her friendships did because it was all about her. Well, when I tried to illuminate the mother on that fact, it went over like a lead balloon. Mom wasn't ready to receive that. Say, hey, you know, reality is she needs to uh, care about the other person, ask questions, talk about it. A friendship requires a twofold focus. And and frankly, you say, well, the problem was kind of like the mother was that way in some ways herself. She was very needy in attention, very much wanted the interest all in her and care for her while not giving much in return. I love this verse because it kind of challenges us. Too often we'll enter into a relationship or we'll want what we can get out of it. True friendship is only going to work when you have a twofold focus. Yes, there are needs to be met, but there's also needs that I must meet. The other person, I'm here for them to encourage and to build them up, to care for them, to meet their needs as they are for me. That's what the Bible teaches us even here in this principle. You must be friendly to have friends and to keep them. Clearly what the principle laid out before us. It won't work any other way. Turn with me, if you will, number two, where I told you we're going to go quickly. Number two, first one, real friendship necessitates a twofold focus. Twofold focus. Look at Proverbs chapter 17. Back a couple, uh, one chapter, chapter 17, verse number 17. Notice what it says here. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Okay? I love this truth, and don't miss it. Real friendship necessitates faithfulness in all the right areas. Real friendship necessitates faithfulness in in all the right areas. Now, young people, I would challenge you with this. Never enter into a friendship lightly. It isn't, as I mentioned a moment ago, just about finding someone to do something with, somebody you have some things in common, uh, go to the same church, whatever the case may be, when you're playing the same ball team. Uh, enter a friendship with your eyes wide open. Understand that when you commit to a friendship, 
you are committing to be there faithfully in all the right areas. Just say, what are those areas? What, what is it that I need to be faithful in as a friend? Well, number one, you must be faithful in the face of difficulties faithful in the face of difficulties. When things come up, when issues fly, uh, the verse as we see it, look at the verse again, verse 17. It's not necessarily exposing the difference between a friend and a brother, okay? It's really speaking about how there's some lay lay over here, some uh, crossing over in a sense, if you could put it that way. What it is saying and pointing out to us, it requires a faithful love, not a faltering love. This friendship of love really shines when one faces adversity. And isn't this true? Don't friends really become like family when they show that kind of love? When, When you're facing adversity and difficulties and friends are there, as we might say, through thick and thin. I love that term adversity because it literally means this. Anguish, distress, attraction, or excuse me, affliction, and troubles. That's adversity. You're faithful in the face of those things. When troubles come, it's not like, oh, I don't know them. (laughs) It's not like, oh, you're on your own. No, no, no. Uh, A brother is born for adversity. A friend that is like a brother uh, is born for adversity. They're going to be there through the difficulties. They're going to be faithful in the the face of things like that. Uh, True friends will show their true colors when trouble comes, when adversity hits. All the young people, you could probably answer this question, okay? Children, go ahead. This is one of these times where you can actually speak out during the sermon. That's rare, okay? So take advantage of it. Let me ask you a question. Listen carefully, okay? In the story of the prodigal son, most of you know it well. He left home. He, he wasted his inheritance and so forth. And, uh, but in the, for a season, he enjoyed everything, right? He had parties, and boy, everything was going well, and, and he had a bunch of friends, okay? Now, children, let me ask you this. When that young man, he had had wasted and spent all of his inheritance, he finds himself in the pig pen in a time of adversity, a time of trouble, a time of affliction. Where were all of those friends? Go ahead and say it. Gone, right? They weren't there. They left. There was no friends. We don't read about him and his friends trying to eat the pig's food. It was just him. Saying, wow, I, I need food. Can I tell you, my friends, there are friends that will say they are your friends, but when adversity hits, they will not be there. And there are others. There are others who God leads and directs in a friendship who will be with you through thick and thin. Like a brother born for adversity. Boy, can you imagine what it was like for that prodigal son to look around? And all these people that were, they were his friends when he had the money, when they were having partying and, and sowing uh, seeds of sin and so forth. Man, they were there. But the moment trouble came, the moment affliction, the moment the money ran out, they were gone. Not true friends. Not as this verse would even put it. The reality of uh, staying close and being there for adversity and facing it along with them. Notice number two, not only must be faithful in the face of difficulties, but secondly, you must be faithful, not fickle. Faithful, not fickle. Not uh, the idea here, not, uh, not undependable, not, not, not here sometimes, sometimes nowhere to be found, not, not uh, being dependable. And uh, really, 
can't be counted on. The rest of Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, which you looked at a moment ago, do you remember what it said? A friend sticketh closer than a brother. Friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Now, contextually, we often apply it to Jesus Christ, and certainly that is true. He is the one that sticks closer than a brother, and he fulfills that more than most. But it's also the description of a true friend, the right kind of friend. They stick close to another. Now think of it, and this is really what the verse is speaking about when it says, okay, is a, uh, a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Here's the idea, and don't miss this tonight. The idea, as, as Solomon is teaching us here through this Proverbs, and certainly God through him, it speaks of a connection, a union that is not easily broken. It's not easily suf- uh, severed. Okay? So there is a friendship that when something comes between, when something's there, it's not just, well, fine, we're not friends anymore, and it, it just falls apart, or, or, or something is discovered, or something is wrong, and all of a sudden the, the friendship is broken. Not at all. We take that statement that a friend, notice what it says, loveth at all times. That love is continual, it's consistent. That love is in action in that relationship and that friendship. And notice what else he says. We observe the love in action and uh, loveth at all times. And then in the New Testament, Peter would give us a little bit more description. He says, and above all things, have fervent charity, love among yourselves. For charity covers the multitude of sin. I love this. You know what faithful friends are? Faithful friends are great overlookers. That's probably a made-up word, but I like it. They overlook things. Love covers a multitude of mistakes, a multitude of missteps, a multitude of sins, things that that aren't the best or I mess up in, and yet a friend overlooks that because love covers a multitude of sins. How do we know that? Because a friend loveth at all times. Man, aren't you thankful when you sin this week that God still loves you? When you messed up and you slipped up and you said something you ought not to, you did something you shouldn't have done, you, you messed it up, you weren't obedient in something, you were disobedient in something, God didn't look down from heaven and said, fine, we're not friends anymore. No. Can I tell you right now, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And you and I ought to be thankful for that every day we live and every breath we take. Nothing separates us. And there is the picture of it. I love that we use this passage, a friend that sticketh close to a brother. Yes, that's Jesus Christ. Great, you're right. He fulfills it like any other. But also, let's understand, Solomon is telling you and I, we ought to be those kinds of friends. We stick close. We stick close. We're not going to let these things, something come in between. We overlook a lot of our problems, mistakes, and issues, and weaknesses. Uh, Our friends know us best, including our failures, our weaknesses, our slip-ups. But they go on loving us, being there, sticking through thick and thin for us. I love this. We would incorporate, certainly, if they love us at all times, we would incorporate the chapter of love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. They are long-suffering and patient. They assume the best about us. They think the best about us. They give us the benefit of the doubt. They choose to characterize us by the good that they see, and they cover the bad with their love, uh, with their love for us that they have nurtured for us. Young people, if you're looking for a perfect friend, stop looking. There isn't such a thing. You'll never find it. And you'll probably never be it. But the one thing that you and I can do, we can find a faithful friend that sticks close, closer than a brother in love. And then more importantly, you and I can be one. 
I find it always humorous. I like to, uh, to study people, to watch people and sociology and things like that. As a youth pastor, it was great because you had a whole youth group you could just watch and so forth. Okay? And as a Christian school teacher, the same thing. It was fun to analyze and evaluate and come up with theories and philosophies about human interaction and sociology and things like that. Well, in that, one of the things that I always found amusing, <laughs> and some of you will remember this in high school, okay? you remember when some girls were friends? And they were good friends, but all of a sudden, they found out they liked the same guy. And I remember, I remember seeing one girl one time, and I just sitting at a desk, and I'm like, what's wrong with you? Well, so-and-so, I hate her. I'm like, what? what? I, I thought you guys were best friends. Oh, yes, we were yesterday. Well, what changed? Well, I found out she liked so-and-so, and I like him too. Now, wait a minute. We laugh at that and joking and, you know, that's so silly. I I remember a time when uh, some high school boys, good friends, they weren't talking to each other. High school boys. And I was like, man, what's going on? I figured out why, found out why. One of them had made the starting lineup of a sports team. The other hadn't. He thought he should, and so he was mad, and he thought his friend took a spot. And so that kind of put an issue in their friendship. Now, listen, we think of that and we think, oh, that's so that's so silly. That's so insignificant. Now, can I just tell you, and let's be honest, some of you could testify to this. I've seen some adults break off friendships for much more sillier things. Yeah, I thought the crickets might come out right there. What does a friend do? Six closer than a brother. What does a friend do? He loveth at all times. What does love do? It covers a multitude of sins. It's patient. It's long-suffering. It assumes the best. It thinketh no evil. That is what love does. That is what true friendship ought to be. Well, we take love and we put it into action and we live it out, just as our Heavenly Father would and demonstrates to you and I. Man, I am thankful. I am thankful for the friends in my life over 40 years. I'm thankful for a wife even now whose love covers a multitude of sins, mistakes, missteps, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for friends in this church that, that overlook, give me the benefit of the doubt, are patient and long-suffering. I, I, I sure am thankful for friends that fulfill a godly thing. Young people, listen to me. You want the good friendships? You want friendships that'll last? You want friendships that will do what they're intended by God to do? Be a loving friend. Be a loving friend. Be a faithful friend. Oh, you're faithful. You're there in times of adversity. You're going to have their back, as we like to say. You will be faithful to them. Ah, Also, you're faithful, not fickle. Well, fine, they didn't do this for me, or they didn't do that for me. See if I'm their friend anymore. See if I'm, and we let it get cold, and even when maybe they slip up or something, but you're faithful. Be faithful, not fickle. Then number three, this is a tough one. Third, you must be faithful even when it hurts. Even when it hurts. Turn with me or look uh, chapter 27 of Proverbs. Turn with me, chapter 27. Look at verse number 6, if you will. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse number 6. You must be faithful even when it hurts. What do we mean? Proverbs chapter 27. Look at verse number 6. Notice what it says. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. See, one of the worst mistakes we make, and young people, would you listen up? One of the worst mistakes that we make when it comes to friendships is that we only establish friendships with people who tell us what we want to hear, who flatter us, uh, who give us kisses, as this verse puts it. 
They, 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 they will rarely disagree with us. They will rarely confront us. Never. They will never speak up against us and say, hey, I think something's, I don't think that's right. I don't think you're, you know what, I think you need to do this, but you're not. And they rarely, that's one of the greatest mistakes we make in friendships. We'll look for people who will flatter us. We'll look for people who tell us what we want to hear. Never confronting, never challenging us. Never being faithful to hurt a friend when it will ultimately help us. There's been a couple times in my life where I, boy, I was so thankful for a faithful friend who came and said, listen, you need to be careful with that. I see you doing this. I see you uh, pursuing this or going down this path. Hey, you need to be careful with that because I'm just telling you it's not going to lead in a good place. I, I don't know if you're making the wise decision. I don't think that's the best. And I'm thankful for that. Sometimes it was parents who were in a friendly position. Sometimes it was just uh, friends that came and said something. Hey, can I tell you? Man, faithful are the wounds of a friend. I don't think you should have said that, you know? Hey, hey, for, you know what, I heard you talk to your mom. That really wasn't the best way. You, that really wasn't honoring them. Hey, you know what, you, you, you reacted. I don't think that was the best way to react. Hey, you may not have realized it, but what you said or what you did came across this way. Are you aware of that? It's the confronting aspect. Uh, really, and let's understand it. Now, here's sometimes where we mess it up. We confront in this way out of love. With a, a desire to be a blessing and a help to encourage them to be faithful in such a way. It, it's never easy to take a friend wounding you. Not for any of us. We all have pride. We all have uh, a self that gets hurt in that sense. But a faithful friend sometimes has to wound us to help us. Again, it's always done in love, not in an attack. Okay? I, I've seen some friendships, especially among teenagers, in which they'll do this, but they do it kind of to make a point, like, take that, see, I got your back, or uh, they say, see, you're just as bad as I am. That's not the right kind of confrontation. A, a friend does it out of love. You know, I'm concerned about you. I, I want the best for you, man. I, I, I want God to bless you, and I'm fearful you're, you're missing out on the blessings of God. And that's a friend because those wounds are faithful. What does the verse say? Well, the kisses of an enemy, that's going to hurt you. That's destructive. They're going to cause you hurt and pain. Hey, the kisses of a friend are kisses of an enemy. A friend can certainly do that if they're not the right kind of friend. You see, sometimes a shot hurts, doesn't it? When I had my surgery in my arm a few weeks ago, uh, uh, the ana uh, anesthesiologist, an older man, and uh, he came up and he started to explain to me he was going to give me a shot in my arm. And he explained that it was a nerve block. I've never had that before. And uh, he just, he, he didn't mince any words. He goes, it's going to hurt, but then it won't. That makes sense. Okay, let's do it. And uh, Erica, hold my hand. No, just kidding. I didn't say that, but I thought about it. It's going to hurt. The shot's going to hurt. And and I'll tell you, it hurt. But I sure was thankful for what was in that shot because I'll tell you, that sure helped me not to feel it. Coming out of that surgery later that day into Thursday, I was like, this isn't so bad. The bad hit later, but we won't go into that when the nerve block wore off. But man, I'll tell you, that shot sure was helpful. You know, sometimes the faithful wound of a friend is like that shot. Hurts initially. Kind of hits your pride. Yet, what was in that shot is exactly what you needed. It's there to make you better. 
It's there to, to encourage you. It's in love. They love you. They're not going to leave you. They're going to stick closer than a brother. But there are times when we have to be faithful even when it hurts. See, here's another mistake that comes up. Well, if you're going to treat me like that as a friend, boy, I, I don't need you. If you're going to tell me where I'm wrong, I, I don't need you. Now, wait a second. Now, if that's the kind of friend who is always doing that, then maybe you do need to reevaluate that. But a good friend sometimes wounds you to help you. You see, sometimes we make another mistake, and it's that the goal of friendship is just to find somebody who I get along with perfectly. And they, ah, we just, we have things in common, yada, yada, yada. Can I tell you what the goal of friendship really is biblically? It's a tool that God wants to use to make you better, make you more Christ-like, and to help you to please God in obedience and service to him. It is God intended, every friendship you have is to say, hey, it ought to be an encouragement. It it ought to improve you in the likeness of Jesus Christ. It ought to mature you. It ought to build you up. And that requires sometimes the faithful wounds of a friend who comes alongside and just challenges you, encourages you, and sometimes confronts you because they care about you. Look down the same passage, Proverbs chapter 27, and uh, look at verse number 17. Proverbs 27, look at verse 17, right down the same passage. It says this, iron sharpeneth iron. Hmm. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. I like that. The call to sharpen. That's what faithful wounds do. I don't think it's an accident that Solomon put this in the same chapter. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And listen, part of that is he's sharpening you. She is sharpening you. She's making you better, improving your countenance, making you a better Christian. A few months ago, I I undertook myself uh, sharpening some mower blades. And I was using a table grinder to do so. I don't know if that's the right thing, but I was. And uh, sharpening up those edges of the thing. And you know what? It was kind of fun. Never done it before. And took that mower blade, stuck it up next to the thing. And I'll tell you, when that metal hit that grinder, you know what flew everywhere? Sparks. It was kind of fun until my hands started getting, you know, hit with them anyway. But hey, it was kind of fun. And boy, you put that blade up against that grinding wheel, and boy, sparks were flying. Why? Because of friction. Once those two things came in, friction spread. But can I tell you, boy, I took that blade up and I touched it. Ooh, that's nice and sharp. You know what friendships sometimes necessitate or necessitate, excuse me, what they need is friction. The frictions of a faithful friend. Those wounds that they sometimes say, yeah, does it cause friction? Sure it does. Does it, does it sometimes hurt as we've described it? Oh, yeah, it does. But friendships, now listen to this, friendships take the need and take the occasional friction of faithfully wounding a friend, confronting, exhorting, even correcting at times, two ways, of course, in order to reach the goal of making one another better, more like Christ. Achieving the goal for that friendship that God has. You want to know how good your friendship is? Young people, you ought to listen to this. You want to evaluate how good a friendship is? Here's the question you ask. Can we both receive loving wounds and faithfully give them? And the end result is our friendship only gets better and our love deeper for one another, or does it affect negatively the friendship? Can we both? Hey, you know what? I'm concerned about you. I care about you. Would you listen to this? Would you just, my heart, my heart's been burdened. Would you just listen to this? Can you receive it? And do you give it? 
I don't know. They might break off the friendship with me if I, if I, no, I notice that they're not, this isn't good. I don't think it's pleasing to God. And if I say something, they might break off the friendship. Can I tell you right now, that's probably not a friendship worth saving. If they're not going to take correction and take faithful wounds, then it's probably not a friendship that you want because they don't look at the friendship biblically like you do. The need to be faithful even when it hurts. One of the things, and if I asked you, I said, hey, well, what is probably the best example uh, biblically of a friendship? Most of us, at least in our top five, if not top three, would say, oh yeah, that's Jonathan and David. That's a great friendship. And boys, we're looking at scriptures. That was one of the best there. And, and I love it because they would always continually encourage each other. Uh, they were loyal, dependable. Uh, they were faithful, as we've described here. And they encouraged one another to follow the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 16. Now listen, we just said what? A brother is born for adversity. A friend loveth at all times. So a friend is going to be faithful in the face of adversity. Uh, Jonathan gets word, oh great, my dad is hunting my best friend to kill him. He tried to kill him already. He's hunting him now in the wilderness. And so he finds out where David is. And the Bible says that he goes to him. And as David is Facing adversity, I love this, he's there for him, he's faithful. He's also sticking close to David and and trying to encourage him in ways that he can. And I love this verse because it says this. And Jonathan, Saul's son, and there's a reason that's put in there. Saul was the one chasing David, and yet Jonathan was a faithful friend who said, okay, I, I need to go find him. He went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. Can I tell you, that's a true friend. You face adversity, yeah, you feel all alone because, man, the king of Israel, I'm supposed to be the, and I love this. You know what he says? I don't have it here. The next verse, he goes, David, David, David. God says you're going to be king. Guess what? You're going to be king. You keep following God. Man, we look at that and like, Jonathan, Saul's your dad. You should be king by normal procedure. And yet Jonathan, oh, David, you're going to be king. God's going to do it. He's promising. Boy, he encouraged him. And I think in there, don't miss it, I think along the lines, Jonathan and David, don't give up. He's confronting them a little. David, David, don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Follow God. God is faithful to you. Man, I love that kind of faithful friend. Amen. Jonathan, hey, Dave, Dave, come on. You can do this. God's with you. God's going to bring it to pass. Everything he promised you. My, what a true, faithful friend. The right kind of friend. May you and I strive to be that type of friend, and may we find those kinds of friends and lash on to those friendships. Last but not least, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 13. We'll be done. Proverbs chapter 13. Let's look at verse number 20, if you will. Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 20. Verse number 20. Real friendship necessitates faithfulness in all the right areas. Uh, then, obviously, as we just talked about, it requires uh, not only faithfulness in all the right areas, but it also requires or necessitates a twofold focus. And then in Proverbs chapter 13, look at verse number 20, if you will, with me. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Don't miss this, young people. Real friendships impact us for life. Choose wisely. Choose wisely. Real friendships impact us for life. Choose wisely. Too often we underestimate the impact of friendships will have on us. Uh, you remember in James, James comes along and <laughs> remember James and certainly being one of the leaders in the church, the early church, and he warns the local church. He says, man, hey guys, you need to be careful. 
Because what happens is some of us, some of us get to be friends with the world. Now, don't miss this. We get to be friends with the world, and as we're friends with the world, we don't realize it, but it changes us. You remember what he says it changes us into? He says, boy, as we become friends with the world, we become enemies with God. We don't realize that the impact that this friendship has on us sometimes. And I love how he starts out the verse, right? James chapter 4, verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not? You see that? Hey, did you, not, did you miss this? Know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. You may not notice it. Now teenagers, look here. Young people, look here. There will be times in your life where mom and dad come to you and they say, listen, I don't know if this friendship is good with you because we see a change taking place in your life. We see them impacting you and it's not a good impact. It's not a good influence. And we see them affecting you. And often we are so blinded to the friendships, relationships we have and how they're changing us. We're blind to it, and we need a friend, another friend, somebody who comes along, a parent or an authority, a a spiritual friend who comes along and says, wait a second, that's not a good influence. It's not a good impact. James is doing that for the church and believers. What? Know ye not that that friendship you have with the world is creating enmity between you and God? It's changing you. You don't like the things God used to like. You don't love the things God loves. You've allowed things in your life that you never would have when God was first in your life. Believers are like, well, who, me? I, I, I don't see that. I, I haven't changed. Are you kidding me? I, I haven't changed. What? Know ye not. Can I tell you right now, boy, friendships can change you. They can impact and influence you in ways that you may never see. You see, I love what James says in that it's literally turning you against God. Much of what God's for. And that can happen with many, many a friendship. I like how one speaker said this, and this kind of hits to it. He said this, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. It's impacting you. It influences you. And I'll tell you, even at an older age, some of us think, oh, I, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Can I tell you, even your friends in the latter part of your life can influence you. Your thinking, your attitudes. I've seen it, and we'll talk about it here in a moment. Paul put this warning in a unique way. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, and we've got to hurry here. He says this, be not deceived. Why? Because you're going to deceive yourself. Oh, that's not changing me. I'm the same person. That friend didn't have that effect on me. No, mom, dad, you're crazy. They didn't change me. Oh, yeah. Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupt good manners. Here's what I like to term it. I call it contagious corruption. And you know what? Many of you have seen this. This corruption takes many forms. And I I think I've just put together a list. This is not an exclusive or an exhaustive list. But in my time, my 46 years, almost 47, uh, that I have lived on this earth. And when I became cognizant, you know what? I've seen people change in certain ways. And here's my top five ways that friendships have negatively influenced somebody. As Paul would put it, evil communications have corrupted good manners. You say, what is that? What have you seen? And I, especially teenagers, but also adults and things like that in friendships. The first is this. You know, I've seen that uh, someone's been corrupted in. They've gained from a friend what I would call a combative spirit. 
a combative spirit. What is that? Well, you're at odds with others. You, you treat others like they're the opposition or the enemy. You're hostile to almost anyone and everyone. You're against the world. I remember seeing a teenager, knowing a teenager, that they started hanging out with some wrong friends. And I remembered the, the change in their demeanor, the change in them. And I remember one day just talking to them, and, and I just said, hey, how you doing? How you going? How's things going? And they just looked at me, eh. Like, well, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? No. I'm like, man, th- this person didn't used to be this way. And boy, they, they just had this attitude and this spirit that they were against the world. The world was against them. And, and boy, that, don't, don't talk to me. Don't, just hostile against everyone. I'm like, man. And I started to think, I know exactly where this came. They used to be a friendly, nice person. And that's changed. They've been impacted by that friend that they've been hanging out with. Oh, it's a choice. It's their responsibility to allow a friend to impact them and change them. Certainly, we're not absolving anyone of responsibility, but the fact is this. Choose wisely your friendships. I've seen a combative spirit. Number two, you know what else I've seen, and certainly you have too, a critical spirit. Friends have impacted others to be criticizing, tearing down, seeing only the bad in other people and things, tearing others apart, always putting out, pointing out something wrong, super negative about everything. Uh, they're people that steal energy. They just sap other people's energy. They're critical. I remember dealing with somebody before, and this person had never been critical in their life. And they said something like, wow, that's unusual. And I, I just responded, as a, it's kind of unusual for you. And then I realized that they had been hanging out with a critical person, spending some time with them. It just impacted them. It influenced them. It affected them. Hey, well, that, no, surely that didn't happen. Hey, evil communications, corrupt, good manners. I didn't make it up. God said it. Critical spirit. Number three. A cynical spirit. What's cynicism? What's a, what's a cynic? It's someone who doesn't trust other people's motives. They always assume the worst. they they always about their motives. Well, I didn't. They only did that because. And they're just a cynic. They're always seeing the negative thing, the negative light, the negative side. They're always doubting. They're judging everything in a negative light. That's a cynic. And they're judging people's motives. Well, they only did that because they had to. They only did that because they wanted this. And boy, just that attitude and so forth. And man, that's catching. That's contagious. Be careful of the friends you have. The next one is this, and certainly you would agree you've seen it, a complaining spirit. Nothing is ever good enough. Nothing is ever right. Uh, Some people who are complainers, they can have nine things that go right, one that goes wrong, and all they do is talk about the one that went wrong. It's always about that one. It's never grateful. They can't, you can't please them because something's always wrong with what you did. Boy, complaining spirit. And man, isn't that contagious? Just ask the nation of Israel after Egypt. Amen. It's contagious. It'll corrupt you. You have friends that are constantly complaining, constantly whining about things. It's going to rub off on you. And probably the worst of the bunch is this. A calloused heart. 
a heart that nothing touches them spiritually. It's a hard heart in response to the pleas of others spiritually. The Holy Spirit, it's a lost tenderness to the things of God. There is little spiritual interest. In, and I'll tell you, my heart grieves over the years that I've seen adults and children alike, teenagers especially, boy, sensitive, tender, coming forward in invitations, making decisions at camp and other places. And then they get a friend that is callous to the things of God. And all of a sudden, they stop responding. They stop having an interest in spiritual things. They are impacted in a negative way in which their heart becomes calloused. My goodness, friends, be careful. Be careful of the friends you have. If there is no spiritual interest, you better be careful. It'll wear off on you. It'll affect you. Calloused heart. From young to old, you and I have seen it. If you're a friend like that and you have influenced and impacted someone for the wrong and, you know, sometimes, let me put it this way. In your relationships, don't you sometimes see where you have impacted or influenced somebody? Okay, so we will jokingly around here say, especially with Pastor's Pizza Party, and that's something we have for our school here, here at Foster Road Baptist Academy. We do it twice a year. And one of the highlights, at least for me, of Pastor's Pizza Party is we have Dr. Pepper and Funyuns. And we've talked about it from the pulpit. You know that. And, and I'll tell you, it's funny because, you know, when I say, and we have Dr. Pepper and Funyuns, all the kids, ah, they go crazy. You know, I have impact and influence. I brainwash your children. But anyway relationships we have, right? You can look at your own children. They're saying that, boy, oh, man, I see that in them. Where did they get it? Bingo. And we ought to be able to be looking at our friendships. And you know, boy, they've become a little bit more critical. They, they've been coming a little bit more complaining. Did I have that impact? Did I affect them? They didn't used to be that way till I got to know them. And maybe it's me. We ought to ask the Holy Spirit tonight, am I the right kind of friend? Have I influenced someone in the wrong way? Have I impacted them in the wrong way? If we have, shame on us. We ought to confess it and make it right. I'm not in a friendship to tear someone down to make them more or less like Christ. I'm in the friendship with the goal to make them more like Christ. To build them up, to exhort them. And if I have failed in that way, may God forgive us tonight. May we confess it and make it right. Now some of us, now listen to me, young and old alike. Maybe there's a friendship you have right now, and to be all, all or completely honest, it's not a good friend for you. Someone in your life who does not match this, they're in many ways the opposite. They might have one of these corrupting, uh, contagious things, and the fact is the Holy Spirit's even now said, hey, you probably need to separate, pull away. It doesn't mean to be unfriendly. It doesn't mean to be unkind in any way, but you just may need to pull away from having such a close relationship because they don't match this. If you have a friend like that, you ought to drop them because <laughs> they can corrupt you. It can be a lasting corruption. I like how one author put it, and I think it's humorous, but I think it's true. He put it this way. He said this, if you surround yourself with clowns, don't be surprised when your life ends up like a circus. I like that. You know, if you have the wrong kind of friends, don't be surprised when you become the wrong kind of person. Right? When, when you pick up some of these traits and so forth. Can I just tell you, say, Pastor Henry, what's the point of the message? What is really? Friendships are powerful at every age. Impacting. They affect us. So here's the question for you and I tonight. Is it a power for good in my life or a power for evil? 
the friendships that I have. And young people, I encourage you, establish great friendships. And then as you have great friendships, find them and then foster them, nourish them. Make sure you follow this and make sure it is a power for good. Does your friendship make you more like Christ or take you farther away from him? And then we ought to make it personal. What's my responsibility? Am I the right kind of friend tonight? Am I really there in adversity? Am I there sticking closer to a brother when a friend messes up? Do I just uh, shove him off? or uh, Do I love at all times? Are you taking your friendship seriously, striving to be a faithful friend in every way necessary? As we go with this invitation, I, I would challenge you. A great couple prayers would be this. Lord, show me what kind of friend I am and the ways that I need to improve. Lord, show me what kind of friend I am and show me the ways in which I need to improve. And then, Lord... Show me if my friendships are right and good for me and how I ought to go about fixing that. God wants you and I to have the right kinds of friendships that make us more like Christ. Lord, we thank you for your word. We're grateful for these truths from Solomon, specifically from Proverbs and your word. Father, thank you for your desire that all of our friendships would be something that encourages us in Christ-likeness, brings you glory in all we say and do. And Father, I pray tonight as we go into this invitation, Lord, that you would work as only you can, that Father, that you would speak to us and help us to ensure that we're the right kind of friends and that we have the right kind of friends. Lord, I pray we'd also take inventory tonight. We make sure that we aren't corrupting someone else with these contagious things or maybe something I didn't hit upon, Father, but your Holy Spirit did in the hearts of your children. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to take inventory tonight and make things right. May we be better for our understanding of Scripture tonight. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I ask you to join me in standing all across.